How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio once again for an episode of Hot Taste with TP3. Um, the NBA season's right around the corner, guys. September 22nd is the first day of the season. That is next Tuesday. Right now, I am joined by none other than the Austin Clark. Austin, say what's up to the people. What is up, people? Thanks for having me, Thomas. Hey, I'm glad to have you back once again, Austin. It's been a pleasure working with you so far, and I know we're going to make another great episode today. Also, guys, the um, today is the Thursday before the season starts up, so I'll probably wait and I'll probably release this episode, honestly, on Saturday, but we're going to go ahead and record everything because, you know, nothing's really going to change. I, I know as I say that now, somebody's probably going to tear their ACL. <laughs> but anyway, um, Austin, I got a pretty good show for you all today. First, we're going to start with my Eastern Conference power rankings, ranking everybody 1 through 15. And where, where should we start, Austin? I think we should start with 15. What do you think? Yeah, let's start at the 15 spot. Perfect. Let's do it. So... First team I got on here, starting at 15, I'm going to start with the Charlotte Hornets. And, you know, this team you saw, they, were, they weren't they were great last year. You know, Kimball Walker kind of carried them. Um, they, they did barely miss the playoffs, but that's because the Eastern Conference is so weak. The Eastern Conference is not as weak as it used to be, as we've had a lot of younger guys, you know, get drafted in here. I kind of like some of the young guys they've got, like Miles Bridges and Malik Monk. You know, I'm really interested to see Malik Monk. He's uh, 21 years old now. You know, this is his third year. He doesn't have Kimba. He's just going to dominate the ball. I think he'll be able to get the ball more. Also, we'll see Terry Rozier, what he can do as a one-man show, kind of, you know, right here, try to ball out just like that. Also, um... You know, I, th- I feel like that, you know, P.J. Washington, I wasn't a huge fan of that draft pick, but basically this is the same team minus Kimball Walker, which is an extremely big downgrade for them here. I think the Hornets are definitely going to be trying to tank and just play these young guys. You know, Bridges and, and Monk and Bacon, they're really going to want to see what in Washington. Those four guys, you know, they're really going to want to see what they can get out of them. I think at the beginning of the year, though, they will play the veterans a little bit more, you know, to kind of raise their sock, try to deal them off for assets like Batum and other guys who are like Marvin Williams who are kind of stuck on this team. But I think basically this team's tank. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think that the Hornets will definitely be the worst team in the Eastern Conference. I have them at my 15 spot as well, so I'm glad that we can agree on that. And you actually were able to provide a little bit more intel uh, than I was. So, I'll. Uh, if you want, you want to keep going with 14, or you can I go with my 14? Um, I'll let you go ahead and do 14. I just want to say this real quick though before we do. I really feel like that. After the 11 spot, I have the Wizards, Cavs, Knicks, and Hornets as my four worst teams, and I think those four teams are pretty much interchangeable, so I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Um, what were those four teams one more time? The Knicks, Cavs, Hornets, and Wizards. I think those four are kind of interchangeable. I mean, Beal's a killer, but there's just nothing else around him. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think maybe you might could make an argument that you could throw maybe the Cavs in there. I had the Cavs pretty low on that one to 15 Yeah, no, list. I said the Cavs. I said the Cavs. Oh, I'm sorry, the Cavs. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I totally agree with that list. Yeah, and, the, and the, those are definitely interchangeable. I think it's going to be it's going to be somewhat of a rebrand and and a rebuild uh when it comes to some of these franchises, you know, um you know, like like for instance the Cavs, like the you know that they were in NBA Finals contention less than five years ago, and now all of a sudden the the best player to walk the planet, LeBron James, <laughs> uh, le- leaves leaves Cleveland, and you have to uh, you have to start from scratch again. And I think that uh, a lot of these teams will probably be doing the same. And I know you mentioned Washington as well, 
Uh, today's Thursday. Bradley Beal got his big deal today um, with the option of uh, having a max contract uh, somewhere exceeding the number of $130 million, I believe, um, if he takes the option. So um, you, it's nice to see, I think, in Washington that you have some guys that are like going to stick there and they're going to be committed to the franchise. And, you know, you got John Wall, who's rehabbing right now. And, um, you got you got a lot of young guys that you're going to be developing and whatnot. So I think I think there's promise and there's hope maybe with the Washington Wizards, but really until you get John Wall completely healthy, um, they're not going to be they're not going to be in contention for for the playoffs anytime soon. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely on that. Um, who so who did you so you had the Cavs at fourteen? Yeah, the Cavs at fourteen. So I actually have the Knicks at 14, and I mean, the Knicks, I mean, it's all about developing R.J. Barrett. They obviously have uh, Marcus Morris. They got uh, Mitchell Robinson as well. I think Robinson and Barrett are the two future pieces here to build around Julius for the Knicks. Randall. The only reason why I have the Cavs ahead of them is just because, I mean, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton are the guys they want to build around here long term. They still do have Kevin Love. I look for Kevin Love to find his way out of there, but I think that team with Kevin Love can be a little bit better. Colin Sexton said he wants to be shooting 90% from the free throw line this season which is something I would really love to see for him. I think he's going to be a great scorer. Honestly, I still haven't really watched Garland play. Um, I haven't watched as much of the NBA preseason as you'd think someone who loves watching basketball like I do has. I have been keeping up with it. Garland has looked good from what most people have said. I still think he's going to be a process, and it's going to take him a little while to get back. I mean, got to remember he sat out all last year. I know he's going to be out of shape, and I think he'll fade as the season goes on, but I think he'll be much better and ready to go next season. But, I mean... The, 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 we can just go ahead and group all these teams together right here. I mean, I have the Hornets at 15, Knicks at 14, Cavs at 13, the Wizards at 12. I'll just put the Wizards in front of all them because I think Beal can win enough games for you. Yeah. I want to see how Hachimura does for them, but I mean, the Wizards to the, to the Hawks were the only team, the Hawks are the worst team in the league in defense, and the Wizards are the second worst team. And I thought drafting Jackson Hayes, you know, really could have fixed that void for him, and they didn't even draft him there. Instead, they went with Hachimura, a guy who I think will take some developing to do, but I mean, there's just not a whole lot here for this Wizards team. I think they're maybe hoping that Isaiah Thomas can come back and give them something, but I mean, this is one of the weaker rosters in the league, in my opinion. You know, they dealt out Otto Porter Jr. This team's in full tank and rebuild mode. You know, if the team came calling with all the right assets and pieces on the table, I would not be shocked to see Brad Beal get moved either. Yeah, I think that, that maybe you could be looking at another uh, D'Angelo Russell type situation where you, you sign them and you dump them. Um, you know, there's a while before the trade deadline happens, but if I, if I'm the Washington wizards and I know that I can get assets now for Bradley Beal for, and there's a lot of teams out there that would probably take interest in him. I'm, I'm looking to sell. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the market for Beal would be pretty heavy as well. You know, Beal, I mean, he's top, I think he was the sixth or seventh in the league in scoring last year. So, I mean, he's a straight killer. I mean, this guy averaged 25 points per game. He can pull up off the dribble. You know, he gets, he's a walking bucket, basically, is the best way to put it, I think, for Beal. And he can play a little bit of that point guard, too. He can play off ball. I mean, he can do it all. Beal really is one of the most versatile scorers in the league. I could, you know, I thought he would have been a great trade piece for the Lakers to get if they weren't able to get Anthony Davis. But I mean, like you said, I could easily see one of these teams going out here and making a trade, making a run, at bringing Beal in. Um, for possibly, the, the, possibly, uh, possibly the Rockets. Shoot, I mean, if the Rockets could move the cap around to get Beal, that would be crazy. 
I think I think that it's something that the Rockets should uh, actually take serious interest in. Uh, I actually heard a couple of NBA analysts talking about it on ESPN Radio today about um, about how there was teams like the Rockets, like the Lakers, who would have really liked to um, get into a position where they could acquire a third third playmaker like like a Bradley Beal. So um, you know, like the cap is an issue, but you know. I would have thought that the cap would have been an issue for a lot of these <laughs> for a lot of these teams, and they mm-hmm. found ways around it. So uh, if there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, let's not spend too much time here talking about these teams, as there's really no point. At number eleven, I have the Chicago Bulls. I really like their young core that they've actually built with this team, and. I think this Bulls team can excel, and you know I wouldn't be shocked even if they did better than 11 here and overachieved a little bit this season. Zach Levine's a kind of guy who's an emerging young scorer and player in this league. I want to see if he can make the other guys better around him, though, which I think is really what the Bulls are missing. Um, Kobe White, I actually went to a Bulls preseason game, believe it or not. I went to go watch them play the Pacers. I'm up here in Indiana pretty bored, you know. I figured <laughs> I might as well stop and see what's going on. I really like Kobe White, though. I think his game will translate well to the league. To me, he's like a bigger Lou Williams. I don't think he's as great of a distributor. I think He's more of a score first guy. But Laurie Markanian is a guy who I could see making the all-star team here in his third year. Also really like Wendell Carter Jr. Um, they have Otto Porter Jr. as well, a great 3 and D swing man, you know. I think the Wizard, the I mean the Bulls actually have a great young court here. I really want to watch this team develop. I think they're gonna be a really fun young team to watch, and I think they'll have a fun atmosphere there. I think they'll be a lot like the Hawks were last year, but at the same time, I would not be surprised if this team somehow dropped in here and got the eight spot. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get the eight spot. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but I am definitely excited to see what Chicago's young core can do. I think that Kobe White, like you said, his game will translate uh, fairly well to the NBA, and he he just is a walking bucket. Honestly, he gets buckets. Um, he's he's versatile. You you know he's got a great floater. He's got a three point game. He runs the floor really well. Um, I think Six, that five, they're, two. He's, yeah, he's he's big. You know, I think that their young core begins with Kobe White and how they build around him. Yeah, I think him, Markanian, and Levine is a nice little, you know, three-man squad they got there. So I think it'll be fun to watch that team and those three guys and see how they build and work together and how this team grows. You know, the Bulls, I, I, I don't hate what they have put together here at all in Chicago, and I think it could end up being a good team. Number 10, I actually have the Pistons here. Um, the Pistons did make the playoffs last year as the eight seed. They look pretty pathetic. Um, the young guys that they're going to focus on, obviously, Thon Maker, um, Luke Kennard, I know is another guy that they're really going to want to see develop. Um, I can't remember. Who did the Pistons draft with their first pick? Do you remember? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. No, I can't remember. Yeah, I'll keep looking that up as we keep talking here. But, um, you know, Blake Griffin, it's all about put a team around him. They went out here. They got Derrick Rose. They already have Reggie Jackson, who's kind of underperformed, you know. And we really haven't seen what that we wanted to see from Reggie Jackson. And uh, unfortunately for them, I think it's going to be more of the Spanish. Oh, they got Sekou Dumbia from France. So, it's gonna be, so I mean, they have mm-hmm. a couple young pieces that have some talent that need, you know, some time to develop. I think Kennard, though, will be ready to kind of – I think Kennard could at potentially average 20 points per game as kind of a, you know, a, a wingman, swingman who could hit the three ball, you know, go, take it off the dribble. Kennard's got game for sure. But, you know, it's it just comes down to what they can put around Blake and Drummond. And, you know, Drummond looked awful in the playoffs. The NBA's moved away from these back-to-the-basket centers. I think Andre Drummond might be stuck out of his element a little bit more. I will say this, though. 
I think it is the game at the same time of it moving away from those back-to-the-basket centers. I feel like all these teams now have a good back-to-the-basket center, and there's not really a team that's built, you know, like as much like the Warriors are anymore. You know, I feel like teams are trying to incorporate the center a little bit more into the game. It's still, with still playing the more up pace, they just more so have centers who can hit the three ball, if you know what I mean, or big men or like power forwards who can play like a center, you know, like Anthony Davis kind of. I feel like that's more so what the game's moved towards. So, I mean, it's I, I just feel like, though, that having your two best players being big men won't work out in the long run, and they don't have the guards here that they need for Detroit. Yeah, I I can agree here. I think that Thon Maker was a, was a good pickup for the Pistons, um, and I'm excited to see what Derrick Rose has to offer. I think, like you said, you know you're gonna be playing the ball through Blake Griffin. He's he's your bread and your butter kind of kind of deal. And uh, uh, yeah, they went with an international player with their first round of the draft. So kind of interested to see how uh, that international movement is. Uh, is going to work out, um, especially after Luca. You know, he's kind of been a little bit of a sensation. So, I think we're starting to see a little bit more attention go uh, to the foreign side of uh, of, of basketball. Um, but I actually had the Hawks in this spot, uh, and I, I actually believe that the Hawks will will play worse than the Detroit Pistons this year. And I think part of that is because of personnel. I think that the Hawks are also a little bit in a little bit of a uh, rebuild situation um we got a lot of young got a lot, a lot of young talent um i still think that i think that trey young has developed um uh, a lot but i still think that he's got got a little bit of a ways to go his size worries me a little bit um but then again there's plenty of guys that are his size um and smaller that have um, been uh, proficient at the point guard position, so um, I I actually think that the Hawks will play worse, less wins than the Pistons this year. But it's going to be interesting. I I know you 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 probably uh, you probably disagree. Oh yeah, I definitely disagree with you. Let's wait until I have the Hawks in my power rankings, and that's where we can have our main crossfire right. on this. But I mean, if you want to, we can talk amount off to the side. But I mean, if you want to place a little friendly wager on who will have a better record between the Hawks and the Pistons, I'm definitely down. For yeah, that. I don't think I want to throw any money on the Pistons, but <laughs> I'm just saying, I it, just the eyeball test, the sniff test, uh, it just tells me that I don't think Atlanta's going to get as many wins as uh, as we may think they are. I think. It's an Atlanta team. We should know better by now. You're uh, as much as I hate to admit it. You're not wrong there, but I mean, like <laughs> when I look down this roster, the players that jump off the board to me, that I mean, their next best players to me outside of you know the guys we mentioned are like Markeith Morris. I mean, he plays power forward. You know, like. I just feel like Marky, you know, all their good players are big men. I mean, their best wing scorer, in my opinion, besides Kennard would Kennard would be Joe Johnson. And I mean, this guy was playing the big three not too long ago. You know, if your next best wing scorer is Joe Johnson, I just don't really think that this team is built the way the new NBA. I, I don't think they have an identity, to be honest with you. This is the one team, like when I sit here and look at them, I'm like, what is your identity? I can't figure out what the Pistons' identity is. I don't even think they know what it is. I mean, this is one of the weirdest constructed rosters Whoa. in the league to me. I kind of like the way that it's constructed, though, and I'm really eager to see that it, the way that it plays out. Hey, fair enough, fair enough. Um, 
At number nine, I have the Miami Heat here. I actually think the Heat have been extremely overrated by everyone just because they're the Heat. I think Spolster is a good coach, but when I look at this roster, I hate. I don't really like the way this roster is number four. I mean, Goran Dragic, he's been, he's been banged up so much. I think Harrow or, or Hero will make them better. I like Bam Adebayo as well as a nice young piece. Obviously, I mean, they added Jimmy Butler, but I mean, I wasn't very high on this team to begin with last year, and I'm not much higher on them this year. The Heat are more of a defensive team. They're not built the greatest, I think. I mean, they got a lot of decent, like, big men. You know, I, what, I feel about like Jimmy 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 Butler? Butler what about Jimmy Butler? What about Jimmy Butler? I got like, to cut in because I think that the, the Miami Heat are actually going to be a pretty decent team this year. They, they will secure at least the eighth spot of the East. Tyler Hero will be, in my opinion, if if there wasn't players like Zion Williamson or R.J. Barrett that are coming out of this draft class, I would say that he would be in the conversation. Like I think he's going to really open some eyes and be a great player in this league. I think his, his game's going to translate a lot better than, uh, than we all are giving him credit for. And uh, his Instagram page is actually pretty sick. So if all you guys are interested in following some NBA players, Tyler Hero is definitely an account I would follow. Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys that when I watched in college, I didn't think he'd be that great in the NBA. But, I mean, I watched him play in the preseason. I was like, yo, where was all this? I Someone made the point to me that he just didn't fit the Kentucky system, which I actually kind of agree with when I think about it more. I think that's a pretty fair, accurate statement. Like, I was not high on Harrow at all. I thought he was going to be a bust, but, I mean, I couldn't have been more wrong. But, I mean, he never really showed any of this at the same time when he's at Kentucky. So, I think that's more of it. Look, I, I think the Heat will be competitive. I think it will come down to the wire. I personally have them out of the playoffs, so I don't think Jimmy Butler can do it by himself. He is Jimmy Butler does have an injury history. Gordon Dragic is 33 now. He's only getting older. He's got an injury history. I mean, I think Bam Adebayo will be a solid young guy, but I mean, when I look at the rest of this roster, you know, I just feel like that they're just built mostly of role players with one star. Now, they could end up getting Chris Paul at some point in time in the season, which would completely change everything, but till that happens, I don't have them in the playoffs. I think that's probably a good assessment, and Chris Paul would definitely be a game-changer. Oh yeah, no doubt about that. So I mean, I mean the Heat are going to be on the border for me. Um, at my number eight spot, this is where I threw the Hawks in. I couldn't decide all day if I should put them at eight or seven, but I ended up throwing them at eight. Um, I think this Hawks team is constructed the way you want to be. I think Trey Young is an emerging superstar in this league. I think he could potentially be an All Star this year. You know, Trey Young, the way he just the way he passes the ball and scores it, it's almost like that he's you know, he's a killer straight up. I mean the way the Hawks run this offense, I've said it a thousand times. We want to shoot the highest percentage shots. I mean the guy like Trey Young that can draw the defense out and clear out for John Collins to go to work. I think DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter and the squad are going to be able to, you know, put a lot of points up this season. I really just like, you know, a Cam Reddish, all the wings young scoring we have. We also have a great amount though of older veteran players who've played in the playoffs and have been there before, whether it's Vince Carter, whether it's Evan Turner, whether it's um the whether it's uh I don't know why I'm drawing a blank, whether it's Chandler Parsons, you know, we have so many young guys. I also think we have a good rotation with our big men, whether we're gonna go with, you know, Fernando and Alex Lynn or Damian Jones. 
go along with John Collins. I think this Hawks roster is built well, and I think they're young and on the come up. And, you know, I just think they're young and don't know any better but but to make the playoffs. I think this is going to be a fun team to watch, but the main thing is going to be the turnovers. The Hawks turned the ball over way too much last year in games where we turned the ball over. over we averaged, I think, 15 turnovers per game last year in games where we turned the ball over that many times or more. The Hawks that were awful, but in games where they took care of the ball, they had – they uh, they um had almost a 70% um, percent win percentage. So, you know, if the Hawks are able to keep those turnovers down, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team. Yeah, turnovers are definitely a problem. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, like I think that you're right in the sense that we, you do have a really good young core here where you can you can build around these guys. And, and I think that it's time to see a little bit of production from each and every one of them. Um, however, I just... I just think that that it's a little bit young. The the coaching situation um, is a little bit of of a, of a concern to me. Um, you know, there's some some sports that I don't really care um, about about the coach, and I don't think that it really plays a huge effect um, on on a game to game basis. But basketball is definitely one of those sports where if you have, if you have a really really intelligent bas- high basketball IQ coach, it makes a difference. I mean, just take Take the San Antonio Spurs, for example, like Greg Popovich is one of the greatest coaches ever to coach in the NBA. And uh, and it's because of his coaching analytics that that he is such a such a great coach. And I think that that coaching is going to be an issue for the Atlanta Hawks with this young core. I'm really concerned as how how they are they going to be developed? Um, Are they are they going to be developed in a way that is only beneficial to the franchise's system and success or are we going to develop players maybe attract new players to come in and i think that that's a really important aspect for the atlanta hawks i know that we have a lot of atlanta listeners i am sick and tired of atlanta not being a free agent spot for basketball atlanta should be a top five top seven place to play basketball in the nba and it's not. And no one wants to come here. And Trey Young is not attracting anybody to come here. And we're not creating really a crazy amount of cap space to be landing one of these big free agents. And it's just such so perplexing and almost almost frustrating to to see them not really do anything and not go anywhere with it. So the reason why we don't have as much cap space is just because we had taken on all these bad contracts to get first round picks when we first started this rebuilding. So basically what we did was we traded a lot of those guys out of there and took on these guys like Evan Turner, you know, like we swapped Baysmore to get his contract off the books, yeah. got Evan Turner, you know, like we're kind of, so basically like that's after the season's over, like Chandler Parsons, um, Evan Turner, um, all those guys, you know, those contracts will be up who are making the big absurd contracts and are eating a lot of this cap space. will open a ton up. I think Trey Young's actually the right guy to bring in free agents. You know, Trey Young, he's gets a, like last, like today on my Twitter, I don't know if it's just because I follow so many Atlanta basketball accounts or whatnot, but I mean, it was blowing up with Trey Young stuff everywhere. I feel like he's one of those guys, the whole league, you know, they watch and see what Trey Young does every single night. I feel like we finally actually have the pieces to potentially bring in a huge free agent, but I don't know if the Hawks want to, honestly. 
honestly. I feel like they have the young guys they can develop to make this a winning team with what we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, we probably will somewhere down the road need another superstar, but I mean, I think John Collins and Trey Young are going to be superstars, and it's between Reddish and Hunter who's going to. Also, with the coaching issue, I love Lloyd Pierce. I mean, he's one of the main guys who helped Philadelphia rebuild that team, so he knows how to rebuild and develop players. He's one of the main player development guys for that team. Also, Vince Carter's a player coach. I think the Hawks have a great young um coaching staff and I think we have a lot of great young players on here and we have the right old guys to help coach this team up I could really see this team getting in the playoffs I mean I don't think they're going to win a first round series by any means I think they'll get stomped by well you know I think I think the best they can do is the sixth seed and I think the worst we're going to do is the 10 seed in the east which obviously doesn't make the playoffs if you're not top eight but you know I, I really like this young team I think there's a lot of potential out here for the Hawks right now it's definitely going to be exciting to see uh it's going to be I think uh in the next two years, kind of a make-or-break situation for the franchise. Yeah, and you know, the only thing I will say, though, is I could definitely agree with you that we might be a little young still this year and miss the, barely miss the playoffs, you know, to more of a veteran team like the Heat or the Pistons. I personally don't see it, but, I mean, it could definitely happen, you know, just being a, it could just be a year too soon, you know, and next year being the jump year, you know. So that's that's another way to look at it, too, is that we could be one more year before we're really, really, really ready to take that jump, but... I love this team, but I mean, I could sit here and talk about them all day. Let's go to the number seven team here, and I have the Toronto Raptors. Look, the Raptors, they still have a pretty good roster here after losing Kawhi Leonard. You know, Pascal Siakam, Spicy P, he's ready to step up, take his game to the next level. I think they got a good point guard combo here with Lowry and Van Vliet. Obviously, Lowry's not quite the guy he used to be, but I mean, he's still the guy that runs this offense. He had a crazy, and I hate to be that nerd and go to the advanced stats, but he had a crazy win share, you know, just because he was getting 12 assists a night. He was helping be the engine, you know, that runs the offense. Kawhi's the go-to scorer, but Lowry's the guy who moves the ball. And I think he's still good for this team. You still got Marcus Soule. You still got um, Sergi Baca. Um, you, you know, you get you got OG Ananobi. You got all these guys, basically. You got all the same players you had last year. And on top of that, you just lost Kawhi Leonard. I think they're still definitely a playoff team as long as everybody stays healthy for this team. I like the Toronto Raptors here to, to slide in here as one of the – I mean, the, the, the East is just too top-heavy. You know, they don't have the – the thing is they don't have the DeRozan or the Kawhi anymore to carry the scoring for them. What do you think? Yeah, I absolutely can get behind that. Uh, I would be be surprised um, if they do better than uh, than a six spot in the uh, in the in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think that it'll definitely be one of those sophomore slump kind of years after winning an NBA Finals where. You know, it's it's gonna it, there's gonna be a culture sh- it's gonna be a culture change. Um, you're not gonna have one of the best players in the NBA, you know, facilitating the ball every single night. Um, and that's gonna take some getting used to, and that's gonna take some chemistry. And and I think they have a good coach. I think, um, golly, his name's Nick Nurse. Mind. Nick Nurse, yeah. I think Nick, Nick Nurse is a good coach, um, in that uh, in that he, I think they have a good young core that they've already somewhat developed, like you said in in Pascal Siakam, and uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they play this year. But I'm not expecting big things. 
Yeah, I think Siakam will also be their all-star here. You know, he's averaged 16.9 points per game. We saw him over double his uh, scoring output from the season before. I'll look for him to build on that a little bit more, and he'll also be getting more touches as well. And, I mean, this team still had a really good record without Kawhi last year. You know, they had, I think they were like 17-3 and three or something like that without Kawhi. It was crazy how good they were without him. So, you know, I mean, they, they can still definitely play. I just think the East is a little stacked up for them here. Let's go to the sixth seed right here. And this is a team I actually love, and I saw you had them for uh, one of our questions later, which I know we're both on the same page with this one here. That is the Orlando Magic here at the sixth spot. I think the Magic... Magic, you know, they still kind of have a Band-Aid here with point the point guard spot where that they have DJ Augustine. But other than that, you know, I really, really think the Magic have a great, you know, young offensive roster. And I, I, I like this team a lot. You know, you got Markel Fultz. And the thing I like about Fultz on this team is the expectations the Sixers had for him is him coming in, you know, and being that number one. You know, he was their, Fultz was supposed to be their guy. They traded up to get him and he wasn't it. That was the guy that kind of, you know, went all in on originally in the uh, process, and they ended up having to kind of, you know, refurbish the process, rework it, and I, I think Fultz is a really, really good player still. I just think he needs to get that shot down, and I think Fultz can actually thrive here in Orlando, but Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, Vucevic, you know, I think I think, I think think Vucevic is one of the most underrated, st- I wouldn't say he's a star, but he's very underrated in the league. I mean, this guy's an absolute beast, and you add Alfred Camino, this is already a great defensive team, and I think the Magic are going to be a real tough group defensive team. You got Fournier knocking down threes for you. Carter Williams, Mo Bamba, you know, all I see looking down this roster, Jonathan Isaac, is young defensive talent. I really, really like the Magic this season, and I think, you know, they're going to, like, going into Orlando, you're not going to win, and the Magic are going to get these absurd spreads, and they'll be able to cover for us night yeah, in and night out. I think there'll be an easy six seed. Yeah, I think, I think they're, they're, they should secure a pretty good spot. I, I, I could see them go as far as five, actually. Um, and I think that it, I agree. this is like one of those teams where if like you were to start with like a hundred dollars and like bet on them on the spread like every single night like throughout the year you'd probably end up with like fifty grand like because they're one of those teams that aren't aren't really respected like by the public and they 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 play really well defensively and Markel Fultz it looks like he's got a shot back I could I could be mistaken. Markel Fultz is looking a lot better. He's looking like a number one uh, round draft pick, and uh, and I, I like you said, Vucevic is probably one of the better defensive players in the league, in my opinion. Um, he's crazy with the rebounds, crazy with the blocks. Um, I think the, that the Magic could go really far, and if if you're a gambler, if you're a better, like look for this team uh, with some of those crazy, ridiculous spreads and take them. Yeah, the Magic actually last year were like four, it was four. It was either fourteen or fifteen and one when they were a ten point dog. So yeah, we need to speed things up a little bit. I know Austin's trying to go watch some uh, Thursday night football. Let's go here now to the number five team. I've got the Boston Celtics. I actually am not as high on the Boston Celtics as other people are. I don't think Kyrie was the problem. I think the problem is Tatum and Brown. I think that these in just Rozier, you know, the team in general, they kind of looked at Hayward and Irving like, why are y'all trying to tell us what to do when we went deeper in the playoffs without you? I don't think they fixed their problems yet. It's really going to come down to here if that Jason Tatum can step his game up and take it to the next level. I think Tatum will have a good season, and I'll talk about him here in one, our later segment, but... You know, I, I think that these adding in is cancer and everything. Like, the Celtics could have a decent regular season, but it's going to come down to in the playoffs. You're going to need a center to get through the Eastern Conference because, I mean, you got the Pacers, 76ers, and Bucks, all who play with big men, you know, all Magic even, too, play with big men. 
and the Nets. And Ennis Cantor, he has to fast for Ramadan, so he's kind of worthless in the playoffs. Um, they got good young players with like um, Taco Fall and Carson Edwards and um, Tremont Waters. So, I mean, I think don't want to throw the Celtics in the trash can. They're definitely a top five team in the East, but I just don't think Kim was going to put them over the top and do anything Kyrie couldn't do. If anything, Kyrie, let's not kid ourselves. Kyrie is much better than Kimba Walker. That's a downgrade. I don't give a damn. I don't. I. I. I you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Kyrie's definitely the better player. I. I will not get caught over over airwaves saying that Kimball Walker is better than Kyrie Irving as of the state. But I do think that Kimball Walker is exactly what the Celtics need, and the Celtics will be a threat. One of I know this isn't necessarily a betting segment, but one of my future bets is that. The, the Philadelphia 76ers go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, I think that their biggest threat of that happening is the Boston Celtics because of Jason Tatum, because of Jalen Brown, because of guys um, like Taco Fall and Carson Edwards. Like they have, they have a a great young core that they've that they've that they are developing and they also have a core that they've already developed and they have all these assets that have come from other places. I I'm looking for the Celtics to be a top three team uh, in the East. Yeah. I just don't see the top three team in the East. I think that I have three teams that I've really pinned to be top three. Don't get me wrong. They got the talent there. I just don't think it's going to translate like we saw this last season. So they definitely need Tatum and Brown, though. You know, they need to get those guys more in rhythm. And like I said, you know, Hayward's the one taking away their minutes from it. It wasn't Irving. So I think Hayward's the problem, not Irving. So that's what I'm looking for with this team. And number four here, I have the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I think if they had KD back, I would have them. It'd be tough for me not to put them at number one. I love their young core, though. Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. The fact you can add Kyrie and KD to this makes them even better. Next year, I'm probably going to pick the Nets to win the Eastern Conference. This is where I got them at this year, though. Um, also, the fact they added DeAndre Jordan as well. You know, I feel like they have the perfect matchup here of veterans and young guys that can take this team deep in the playoffs and make them a really fun and exciting team to watch. You know, I, the most of anybody, though, that I want to watch perform on this team here is Karis LeVert. I think he might be ready to take his game to the next level here and be, you know, he was a bucket last year. I mean, this team was this team was my favorite team to watch in the entire NBA last year. So, I mean, I think it could be that fun again to watch this year. Yeah, I was upset they got rid of some of those pieces like Dudley and D'Angelo Russell. I'm a mm-hmm. big D'Lo fan, but uh, I've, I've been watching the Nets a little bit, and uh, I think that they have a great young core, and I think that it, Karis LeVert should have a takeoff season this year. Um, I'm pretty sure that they gave him a deal this past year, too, so he doesn't really have to worry about his money. And I think that it's kind of interesting to see um, when players get their money and they don't have anything to worry about, it's just really about basketball. And, you know, they don't get so, so caught up in the business. And I see, I've seen a lot of players like thrive, like, right after they, you know, they get their contract. And I'm not saying that just because Karis LeVert got a contract that he's going to thrive. But what I am saying is that I've seen great potential out of him, and now that he's got pieces around him like KD and Kyrie, I think that the Nets um, are going to be great a year from now. I don't think – I think that with the absence of KD is actually going to – they're going to underperform – in relation to the rest of the Eastern Conference. 
Yeah, you know, I, just, I think the absence of KD would definitely hurt them a little bit. Also, you know, Kyrie said that he was struggling a lot of stuff with his grandpa passing away and everything. I think Kyrie's in a more positive, better situation somewhere he wants to be. You know, he kind of made it sound like that he was put in the situation in Boston, not a situation he wanted to be in. So I think that's another big thing to look for as well. Let's keep things moving here because I know you got to get out of here quick. Um, these top three teams in the East, to be honest with you, I think these are the only two, three teams capable of coming out of the Eastern Conference this year. Which one of them it will be, I'm not 100% sure of. But look, I'm going with the Milwaukee Bucks here at number three. I've been, said this a thousand times, and I'll say it again. I think Eric Bledsoe, them paying him, screwed the whole team up. I would have gladly let him walk and gone out there and get another shooter. Until Giannis can shoot the three-point ball, you don't need another guard here that can make the plays. Giannis can do it all. I mean, when they had him at point guard for a while with Kidd, he got so many triple-doubles in a row. They did add Wes Matthews, which I like, but they lost Brogdon at the same time. I can't honestly say the Bucks are a better team this year than they were last year. If Giannis can hit that three-point ball, though, I mean, nobody in the league is going to want to guard that or play against them. I don't know if the three-point ball is quite going to you know, be there for Giannis this season. I think he'll be better. But at the end of the day, I think that's going to end up being what screws them over. Um, I, I like the Bucks here to be in the top three. I just think that these teams, you know, like the 76ers, they can just go with that big man lineup and kind of stop him like we saw the uh, like we saw happen with the Raptors. So wait, let me get this straight. Does that mean in your number two slot you have the Indiana Pacers? You don't want to know where I have them. Oh, please tell me that that it's not one because where are the Pacers at? Let me ask you this. Where do you have the Pacers? <laughs> I do not have the Pacers. I have the Pacers at four. Okay. Um, I don't have the. All right, let's let's go ahead and talk about the 76ers, <laughs> and then we'll get to the Pacers, who I have at the two. Oh, slot. The 76ers. We should be talking about the 76ers last. All right, we can go ahead and talk about the Pacers then, if you want to. I have the <laughs> I have the, the Indiana Pacers as my number one team right here, oh, and look, I think I have good. a good reasoning here for it. Listen, I don't necessarily think the Pacers will come out of the Eastern Conference, but I think in the regular season they will be the best regular season team. They have a crazy. Um, home field advantage and you know honestly if you were out here in Indiana you would understand more there's absolutely nothing out here and the Pacers stadium is great but that's not my main reasoning the Pacers are the best defense in the NBA last year they just had no freaking scoring they could not score the ball so what do they do they let some of those guys who couldn't score the ball walk and got better 3 and D players they now have Malcolm Brogdon in there who was a much of an upgrade over um, Darren Collison they're going to get Victor Oladipo back he's going to have fresher legs because he's going to not play the beginning portion of the season he's going to come back later on in the season so I think he will be more effective. Also, they have offensive players can take the burden off. And people forget, before he went out, they had the second-best record in the Eastern Conference. They were the number two seed before Depot went down. Also, Miles Turner is the best defensive center in the NBA, in my opinion. No, he's the best anchor for a defense in the league you can have. Also, on top of all those things, you add Jeremy Lamb in the mix. I love that. And you add TJ Warren, another just straight bucket. Now the Pacers have wing scoring to go along with all their defense and these great defensive players they already have. I really think this Pacers team has improved a lot. I think that they're going to finish top three in the Eastern Conference. Now, will they go? Will they be a threat in the playoffs? That's another story we'll get to when we get there. But I think regular season-wise, this Pacers team is going to be ready to go. And, I mean, they've got the scoring and the de to go with the defense now. I mean, those are the two biggest recipes for winning basketball.
Let me, let me tell you right now, if you want to place a wager, I will place a wager with you that the Indiana Pacers will not have the most wins in the Eastern Conference. There's just no way that that happens. They will Already not secure it. one on them at plus 900 odds if you want to give me those same oh, odds. Oh, my goodness. Well, the reason they're giving you those odds is because they're taking your money, because you're giving them free money, because... The Pacers will not be the number one seed. Hey, the Bucks were plus eight hundred last year, and I had the Bucks to win the Eastern Conference last season. The Bucks, the Bucks would have been a good pick. Absolutely, the Bucks would have been a great pick, and I would have, I would have probably made a pick very similar to it. But the loss of, I mean, the, I mean, the gain of Malcolm Brogdon is huge for the Pacers for sure. TJ Warren Stern, too. He averaged over twenty a game. TJ Warren's big pickup, and also, like you said, Miles Brogdon is a great one of the greatest defensive players in the league right now. I don't, I don't know about Victor Oladipo because I think that that's a little bit more of a toss up, maybe than than you're giving credit to, um, because we, you just don't know how those guys are going to come off uh, off of an injury like that. Um, you know, he could come off with, with legs that are better than and more strong than they've ever been before, but he also could, could struggle when he first comes and he's been a big he's been a big part of of their of their offense and of, of their of their scheme really. And so I, I'm a little uh, I'm a little question I'm I'm feeling a little questionable about the Indiana Pacers being a number one spot. I can see them top four, but I can't see them one or two. Hey, you know, I definitely can't blame you for not liking the pick. I mean, it was a tough pick for me to make. I think it makes the most sense, though, to me. And I think that things like defense, you know, teams that are willing to spend that extra energy and play defense in the regular season goes a long way. Look, like I said, you know, I don't necessarily think they're going to be the team to come out and represent them in the finals. In the finals, I probably won't make a decision on that until the season is over and we see how everyone finishes everything off. But you know, I think the Pacers, they play the right kind of basketball that works in the regular season, and I think it will work. I mean, Depot's not going to have to, you know, they can ease Depot back to with the kind of roster they have, but I mean, let's talk to the, about the 76ers who you have at number one. I want you to go ahead and, you know, give the whole spiel on the 76ers, and I'll tell you what my main concern is. Listen, this entire offseason, we've been talking about <laughs> dynamic duos. We've been talking about Harden and Russ, Paul George and Kawhi. But the duo, the one duo that no one's been talking about, is Bid Simmons and Joel Embiid, and that's because that is a is an underdog duo that is going to wreak havoc on the NBA today. Uh, the pickup of Al Horford is actually absolutely huge for the Philadelphia 76ers because you're going to be running. The entire the entire game, all what sixty minutes of of the game with Al Horford and Joel Embiid playing center, that's going to be extremely difficult for any team in the NBA, more or less the Eastern Conference, to to ha- to play a defense with Joel Embiid and Al Horford. And on the offensive side of the ball, you have Ben Simmons who's developing. You have Tobias Harris. You did lose guys like J.J. Redick, and I think that that was a big loss for, for the Philadelphia 76ers. And you did lose Jimmy Butler, and I think that was a big loss too. But the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm telling you what, Ben Simmons is a three-point shot, having a three-point shot away from being the next LeBron James. 
that that's if he has a three point shot, he's absolutely oh that's a fact, unstoppable. He, I agree. He runs he runs the floor better than almost anybody in the NBA. Um, his his vision's amazing. And then you got when you have a player like that, and then at the post you have Embiid, who we we don't even know what his full potential is. And his heart and his passion for the game is unlike any player I've seen in a long time. I I love the Philadelphia 76ers. They're going to be a great team to, team to watch this year. They they have expectations that need to be met and uh, I'm really excited to see what just how much they're capable of. I really like the 76ers and everything they did here. I agree with you. I mean, Ben Simmons is a three-point shot away. We saw him hit that one, and they act like they won the damn finals with him hitting it. I mean, they almost beat the Raptors, and quite frankly, the Raptors didn't get Marc Gasol. That was such an underrated pickup was Marc Gasol. I, Raptors would have not gotten out of that second-round matchup if it wasn't for Marc Gasol. Look, Josh Richardson, great, great addition everything. I just don't think Philadelphia has the three-point shooting. When I look at Simmons, Embiid, and Al Horford, I see three basically big men in my opinion. Don't get me wrong. Simmons can run your point guard. He's a point forward. But the, the, what's this NBA all about? It's all about three-point shooting and pace. I don't think the 76ers have either of those things, three-point shooting or pace. And honestly, I think that I just feel like that that's going to have to bite them at some point in time. And I feel like these teams are going to be able to spread them out and make them choose between Embiid and Horford, who can be on the floor. That being said, I think they'll have a good regular season, though, mostly because of the fact, and they'll have a good playoffs, but that's because of the fact, you know, you can afford to sit one of these. If you, let's say, like Embiid or, uh, or um, Horford can't go, you know, I think they're better, honestly, when they have Simmons and one of those guys in there. I think Simmons, I mean, at some point you got a question, is Simmons taller Rondo or is he LeBron before he gets his jump shot? I'm leaning more on the taller Rondo side until I see him drastically improve with this jump shot. So I don't know. That's my opinion about Philadelphia. I don't think they can shoot the three-point ball well enough to be what they need to be. But at the same time, I mean, if they can really enforce teams to play up their pace, kind of like the Raptors did to the Bucks, it can change things. I absolutely, absolutely agree, and uh, I think I think that the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be a team to be reckoned with. I think the the Boston Celtics are going to be a team to be reckoned with. I think the Pacers are going to be a team to be reckoned with. I think this Eastern Conference is going to be a lot more interesting this year than it's been in years past, and I'm really excited to see how things kick off a week from now. Oh, same. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. This is the most excited I've ever been for an NBA season. For once, the Hawks actually have a really bright future. It's going to be fun to watch Harden and uh, Russ play together as well. I mean, those obviously, that's my biased answer to those questions, to that statement, just because those are my two favorite teams to cheer for. But, I mean, it's going to be so much fun to watch the way everything is. Austin, I won't keep you any longer. I know you got somewhere to be, but I appreciate you coming on once again. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Uh, always, always a pleasure, and uh, I always really enjoy uh, being being on your podcast. So please, please continue to have me. Oh, for sure. Now, trust me. Well, I'm gonna, I'm trying to crank more of these out a week. So trust me, we're gonna be, we're gonna be doing it. Let's get to work, baby. Let's get to work. Let's make some money this NBA season. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. But once again, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at TP3Wins, on Instagram at TP3Bets. Follow Austin at BuzzerBeaterU, BuzzerBeaterSports, Clark Till Dark. Follow him on any of those accounts on all social media. But we appreciate y'all tuning in, and we will see y'all later.